Welcome to A Journey of Transformation Empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite, change, and possibilities are endless. Before we dive into today's episode, we have something special for our listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by a groundbreaking book that's reshaping the conversation around Black economic empowerment. It's Resegregation, Volume 1, The Power Matrix, a master plan for Black group economics with wealth creation, authored by visionary Antonio T. Smith, Jr., Antonio isn't just an author. He's a former top-secret combat special operations intelligence sergeant turned millionaire. His life work championed the economic autonomy and wealth creation within black communities. In this seminal work, dedicated to teachings of Dr. Claude Anderson, Antonio outlines a comprehensive blueprint covering critical sectors like finance, technology, manufacturing, and more. He blends military discipline with acute understanding of systematic disparity. This isn't just a book. It's a movement. A call to action to create lasting wealth and reshaping the economic narrative. Antonio's vision is clear. Drive a significant shift toward black ownership and control. Listeners, if you've ever wondered about innovative strategies for wealth creation or how technological transformation can uplift the black communities, then this book is for you. Join Antonio Smith Jr. on the transformative journey. Pick up your copy of The Resegregation Volume 1, The Power Matrix today and be a part of the reshaping future. Now, let's dive into the episode and explore the possibilities that await us. to another amazing episode of the Secret to Success podcast. Today, I have Miss Jennifer Lair, and I'm not going to give details. You guys know I love to let our guests introduce themselves and tell us more about them. So, Miss Jennifer, how are you doing today? I'm good today. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. <laughs> awesome. So, if you can please let our audience know who you are, what it is you do, and tell us more about you. So, um... Uh, my name is Jennifer Lear. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I am uh, the founder and creator of a online do-it-yourself uh, relationship reconstruction program called Weconcile, which is W-E-C-O-N-C-I-L-E. Um, and I am, uh, I do a lot of writing. Um, I have three blogs and I write for other places as well. 
um, I write for Love Wellness, I write articles on Medium, I've written for just a variety of places. Um, and a lot of my writing is on helping couples um, figure out how to solve problems and, and change how they relate uh, so they're relating better. Um, I also write about my own life path because a lot of what I've, um, a lot of my own changes in my life is what I'm helping other people with also. Um, and um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's who I am right now. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I, I love the fact that you said, I, I, t I write a lot about myself because what I'm helping others with is what I've gone through on my life path as well. We, 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 <clears throat> excuse me, we have a tendency to not want to admit that we're going through something and that hurts in our relationship. How, how has your, your journey been able to, how have you been able to open up and help others on that path and direct them? And then I also have a question about the, the do it yourself. I love how okay. you did that. So, but the first question, <laughs> first right. question is how important is it for us to actually, before we can help someone else go through that path ourselves? So I think that it's, actually really important. I mean, there are therapists that have never had therapy, which is a bit mind boggling to me. Um, because I really think you've, you have to, you know, have experienced the pain and the vulnerability to have real empathy for what someone else is going through. And also I grew up in a family with really uh, dismal relating skills. And so relating was really not easy for me growing up. And as I got older, I got into some difficult relationships with significant others. And it was in the process of getting into therapy, doing, um, doing work on myself that I, that I begin to um, start unraveling, you know, the amount of anxiety I had and the amount of not understanding, you know, how to have a, a really good relationship. And, you know, in the process of uh, going, you know, working on myself and doing therapy. I also started, uh, decided to become a therapist. I went back to school. I, I um, started doing a lot of advanced training beyond just the, you know, the, the, the school and the uh, intern, the hours. You have to do 3,000 hours to get licensed and the testing. And then I did many, many years of training after that. Um, because there's all, it's an unending process of learning. I mean, even now, every day there's new, new material coming out with new understanding that can really help people change how they see themselves, how they see what relationships are and how they can improve their lives. So yeah, it's been a big journey and the journey for me, the journey is the, I'm on a journey and I'm sort of sharing my journey as I, you know, I'm coming from the, the place of having to have my own journey and also using that to help others. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you, Ms. Thank you very much, Ms. Jennifer. You just gave me a different perspective on therapy because that's the, that's the common concept that how can you help me when you haven't been through anything yourself? Right. But with your transparency, you're like, no, I'm helping you because I've been through something myself. So, so right. thank you. That, that gives us that that lets us know that, that no, first off, yes, if you're having issues, seek therapy, but at the same time, look for someone like Ms. Jennifer, who is transparent enough to say, yes, I've had issues, and I'm going to help you through the same issues that I've worked through and actually came out on the other side. 
Right. So thank you very much, Ms. Jennifer, for your transparency on that, because it yeah. definitely does put a different perspective on therapy. So thank you very much. So the DIY, the do-it-yourself online course, we consile. Can mm -hmm. you please give us details on that? Because when I read that, I was like, do-it-yourself. That's different. Yeah. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. So what um, happened was in about 10, we'll say I, st I started writing it about 10 years ago and it was a four year writing project. Um, so I was working with couples and they would come in and they either didn't have enough resources, you know, monetary uh, time. Um, and they couldn't afford to come every week, you know, and couples therapy, you really want to do an hour and a half, not an hour. It's just, there's too much to do in a, in a session. So they couldn't afford to do regular therapy. They needed help. They didn't have, they didn't even know the ABCs, much less the sentences and paragraphs of what, a what would make their relationship better. They just didn't, because we learn, you know, about relating by osmosis growing up in our families. We don't, you know, generally take classes in it. And so I was looking at these people going, these people need help and they need more resources. And so I started um, doing more training, couple specific couples training, and started to figure out how do I systematize a, a learning pl platform so people can learn what they need to learn first. And then once they have that foundation, then they learn the next thing they have to learn. And so that a couple could rebuild their relationship even without a therapist. And that's where uh, it came from. And it's been a massive amount of work. And um, we're, you know, we're still getting it out into the world, but it's, it's just been, uh, taken over my life. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so there are specific, you know, steps. So, um, but you want to, you know, people, a lot of couples don't, haven't been taught to think about when we're in a relationship, we are emotionally regulating each other. So if someone gets up, you know, we don't think about what's happening in the brain and the body. We just know that we're, there's a problem and we're upset and we don't understand what the, the actual steps are to change how we relate to each other. So that can sort of diminish and we're actually supporting each other instead of fighting. And so the, the goal is to teach people that and give them experiences through exercises and discussions that enables them to make these changes and reconstruct how they relate. Wow, I'm definitely, I'm definitely looking forward to going on your site and just going in, <laughs> <Looking> around, <yeah. laughs> because because that's that's one of the, like you said, we we learn how that we grow through osmosis. That's relationships, that's an attitude, thought processes, mindsets, and that's one of the biggest things. Like, how do I actually relate to this person? Because I'm, I'm used to relating to my family because we're all the same. I learned how to relate through them. But how right. do I relate to someone else? And we're actually in a relationship. And it goes to, you don't understand me. Well, no, you don't understand me. And it's not that. It's that we can't relate to each other. So through this process, what, what is, the, mo what is the, the most important thing? The, like the, the most important thing couples should understand when it comes to that understanding of two different people we need to learn how to relate right so there's two i'd say there's two really important things one is that um we have to get to a point where we can talk vulnerably about what we need 
not, not, you know, you blah, blah, blah. But instead, you know, I, it really hurt me because I love you and I need to know you care about me. And that when you did that, it made me feel like I'm not important to you. So we have to get down to the level of attachment and what, um, the importance of attachment. So learning how to communicate that way is more than just changing the words. Changing the words is part of it, but it's also opening up the feelings and being able to feel safe enough to talk in that level. Some couples don't feel safe enough to talk on at that level. They just are like, I'm mad at you, you did this. So it's slowing them down, getting them feeling safer. That's one thing. The other thing is knowing that we regulate each other in such a way, so for instance, if two, uh, a couple is struggling and they, they are instructed to look in each other's eyes and sort of connect and maybe hold hand, touch, they'll find their body starting to calm down because we regulate each other in our bodies. It's not just our, our, um, how we speak. It's much deeper than that. So knowing that there's a whole, and all the other thing is, you know, you we're raising families and they may be pretty good families but they're never perfect and so we all have little wounds places where we you know feel like we weren't even if we're not conscious of it but places where we feel like you know oh that person never got me in this way and generally we bring in partners who trigger that stuff and these are our wounds and we have to start unraveling why why what happened that you triggered me that way and i triggered you know we trigger each other back and forth so having to unravel what that, what that story is and get a handle on it so we can change it. Because we heal each other. We heal those wounds in a good relationship. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. It, it, it's, 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 it's so much. <laughs> it's, it's so, because over the past few years, I've learned a lot about myself and I've learned that my previous relationship did not work out because I was still broken and would not broken and not aware of my brokenness. Right. So how does, how does one, when they're and and, and when you're not aware for somebody to tell you you're wrong, you're like, no, I'm not, you're wrong. You know, it, that whole process. Happens. Right. Right. How does, how does one become aware? Like what, what is that point where it's like, okay, look, we need help because I, like, it, there's something in me, like you say, you know, what about this, what about this person is triggering this, like, at, where have you seen in couples where they get to that point, like, okay, we can't keep doing this, and we have to find help? Right. Well, usually when couples say we have to find help, it's, it's really far down the line. <laughs> People don't start early enough. I mean, really, it's, it should be a part, instead of planning a big expensive wedding, you should be putting that money into premarital counseling and working some stuff out. That's my I agree personal, with you. personal opinion, <laughs> getting some education. But in terms of brokenness, my guess is that your partner had brokenness too. And that's part of what triggered you. It wasn't just your brokenness, that there was brokenness on both sides. So let's suppose somebody was um, in order to survive their childhood they had to and i'm saying that sort of in a harsh term survive their childhood but we develop coping mechanisms and let's suppose they had to um be really uh they gave a let's suppose it was a man and he took care of his single mother because it made him feel good and it made him feel like she loved him and she was important to him and then that person gets a partner or a wife who who felt over controlled when she was growing up 
she wasn't allowed to have her own voice. So you get these two together. Well, the one who's used to giving a lot is also controlling. He's giving, he's controlling through the giving because he wants it to be his way. And the other one is like, wait, what about my way? I'm growing and I don't want to always do it. And they clash because they don't know. He doesn't know how to let go because it's unconscious. He doesn't realize, well, wait, you know, it, it it's okay. I can trust that I'll be okay if I'm not always giving and controlling, that I can let go a little. And she can say, I can, I need to know that you, you will let me do this and I'll be safe. And, and I need you to be part of this, but not control me. So it's this whole thing of starting to open up and see where are these, what are these ways of being that are hardwired into us? I mean, this is in, we're in neurology at this point. This isn't stuff we're pasting on. It is how we're wired. So we have to rewire. And in order to rewire, you have to become more conscious. You either work with a program like Wickensile or you get a therapist who, who understands this process and you start becoming more conscious of what's going on. And once you're more conscious, you can start rewiring what you're doing. Okay, guys, there is nothing more personal than your health. So when it comes to finding the right nutrition supplements to meet your fitness goals, you need a personalized approach. Thankfully, now there's Gainful, the personalized nutrition system that's formulated for your body and goals. Gainful gives you peace of mind that your protein, hydration, and pre-workout supplements contain the finest ingredients specifically for you. Now, I've been on my weight release journey Um since the beginning of this year and in the process of doing that you pay more attention to what you're putting in your body what you're doing to your body and I love the gainful products because it's specified specifically for me it has a wonderful flavor I'm one with the sweet tooth so it works out for me it doesn't have that grainy feel uh, grainy taste to it that some pottery taste to it and the one thing I love about it the most is I know that my body is different from everybody else's. So with Gainful, I know that I'm putting into my body what is specifically needed for my body. You know, my brother works out on a daily basis. I can't intake the same things he intakes. You know, I can't intake the same things that my mom would intake. And she's older than me and she's going through a process as well. So I truly love Gainful because it allows me to know, it, it gives me the peace of knowing that while I'm working out, while I'm going about my day-to-day -day, uh, activities, I know that what I'm putting in my body is healthy for me, and it tastes great. It 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 doesn't steer me away. You know how some some things some some supplements taste so horrible, where it's like, okay, I just can't do this, even though I know I need to. Not gainful, and I absolutely love it. You get started by taking the five-minute gainful quiz. Gainful considers your dietary needs, goals, and unique physiology to personalize your formula. And the one thing I love the most is Gainful delivers your supplements with no shipping charge every month. And you can cancel anytime or adapt your plan as needed, which is something else I absolutely love about Gainful because as I... As I transition, as I release the weight, as I change, as I work out more or work out less, as I become more active or as I want to maintain, I can... I can reach out and I can adapt my gainful subscription to what my body has transitioned to because six, from, six months from now, I'm not going to need the same things I need anymore. And that's one of the other things that I absolutely love about gainful. 
So what I want you to do to get your $20 off from your personalized supplements, go to gainful.com slash success. Again, that's gainful, G-A-I-N-F-U-L.com slash success for $20 off. Gainful, your personalized nutrition made for your taste. Right. I, I, I love that. It's it's because as you as you be like I said, when you become aware, as you become aware and just in your own personal growth, you start noticing different things. And and in my own personal growth, I started noticing. I'm like, wait a minute. Where one of one of one of the questions that Antonio used to used to tell us to always ask ourselves is, who told you? So who told you you had to do it that way? Or right. who told you you had to do it that way? Right, right. And as I asked myself that question, I started noticing, okay, so a lot of this, like you were saying, it started in childhood. Like I'm now wired this way, so I have to rewire myself. Yeah. So when you come across those who, once they are aware, okay, this is something from childhood, but they have a very hard time releasing that, what, how, what does that process look like? Like, okay. I know this is what it is, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not there yet. Like this, it's right. too big. Right. It's too big for me yeah. to just. Yeah. It well, Okay. So that brings up two things. One is it is big. <laughs> you can't just jump <laughs> off the cliff. It doesn't work that way. You actually have to be in a safe environment. So you have to feel safe to start making, and then it happens. You have to do it in little steps. It's iterative. So two steps forward, one step back. So it's, you know, we learn through repetition, we, we rewire through new experiences, but more than one, you need, I think they say 19 or something to uh, learn something new. I don't remember what it is, but there's a, there's a supposed number. So anyway, yeah, you have to start, you have to feel safe. So how do you get yourself and your partner to feel safe, whether it's the two of you or with a third person like a therapist, but there has to be enough safety to explore what's going on. And then there has to be the ability to go, Okay, let's just take one example. We'll take one incident and let's un let's dissect what happened and figure it out. Figure out what happened there, and then let's redo it. Let's do it over again. So we had this horrible situation where you know you wanted to go to your parents' house for a holiday and I wanted to go to my and it turned into this huge fight. Okay, let's let's so let's un let's dissect that. What what were you feeling? You were feeling well nobody cares about what I want. What were you feeling like? The other one, oh, no matter what I do, it's not enough. Whatever the examples are, and you start getting them down into that level. And I mean, if you want to use an example from your own life, we could dissect it, but I don't know if you want to get that vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> you, and the crazy, the crazy thing is, Ms. Jennifer, I know a lot of people who actually have my same issue and it's the it's the the that deep obligation to parent okay and because of that deep obligation to parent regardless of doing certain things is like i can't i can't bring myself to do that or and then it and yeah. not only just the deep obligation to parent but also i yeah. want i want you to give me what i want you to give me then and I want you to do it now. But now I know that you were just as broken as I am. So now I want to fix you so you can give me. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's, let's just start with the deep obligation to parents for one second. So um, there is um, a term known as the couple bubble. 
Um, this is Stan Tatkin's work. He's a neurobio, a neuro, God, I always forget the names, neurobiology, neuropsychology. They're all, they're all sort of together merged, but he developed this term, the couple's bubble. And there's other terms developed by other clinicians and, and researchers and teachers. And the couple bubble means that the primary couple relationship has to be first before any other relationship. Yeah. If you don't make, put the bubble around the couple and make that relationship first, you are chipping away at the security and safety of that relationship. So when you get into parents, that's a problem because parents have to come after the relationship. So that's just a piece of education for you and those who Thank have you. this issue. But now when we get into parents, what, we would, what I would say to you or someone like you with this particular issue is, what, was it, what does it feel like if you were gonna say no to one of your parents? What would it, what would that feel like? <laughs> oh no, you're hiding. Come back. <laughs> it's like to say no, I feel like I can't. Would it hurt them? Is it embarrassing? Like what happens in your body when you imagine saying no? I get flustered. Like my whole body gets tingly and warm. <laughs> Does, any, does anybody no. in your family say no to your parents? That's a good question. Because sometimes I've there's someone who does. Seen it. I've, yeah. I've seen it happen once. I've seen it happen okay. once. And when it happened, I sat there and I was like, oh, <laughs> like I had just this feel of relief because I didn't have to be the one to say to no right and someone said no for me like I literally right. sat back and I was like thank you so much okay so you <laughs> noticed you noticed when that happened it was a big deal yes. so if you were to you know practice little tiny no's not big ones just a little one you'll have to figure something out that would work just to practice being allowed to not always be so obedient to taking care of what they want. Hmm. In other words, you want things too. And you might someday want something that they don't want. You might want something different. And where does that leave you? If you want something different than them and you can't allow yourself that. Hmm. Okay. So Back just to, to think about, you know, I personally think your parents will survive. I mean, it might be hard on them. They might be upset. They might cry. I don't know, but they will survive. And ultimately what you're doing is saying, I'm not exact. I'm me. I love you, but I'm not identical to you. And what we find in relationships is people think they should be merged and identical. That's not um, being, in, uh, in, that's not a relationship. A relationship is a bridge between two different places. So the bridge is the relationship. When you're merged, there's no bridge and there's not two different places. There's one place. You want two different places with a bridge in between. And the only way to have a bridge is to have two different places. Otherwise, it's just this collapse and you don't get to be your full self. Does that make sense? Yes, ma'am. Thank you very much. So I just want to point out to our audience, I really hope that you are taking notes. The couple bubble. <clears throat> I wrote that down, couple bubble, and I'm yeah. circling it because <laughs> we have a tendency 
we get into relationships, but we get into relationships and we bring everybody else with us into our relationship. Yes. But when you said the couple bubble, that made sense to me. And I, I actually imagined a bubble around yeah. me, me and my partner because there's just so much outside. But if you just bubble each other, it's just you. And when you come first, then everything else will take care of itself. Because like you said, when you bubble each other, you build that bridge. So yeah. ladies and gentlemen, please understand that your personal relationships are the, they, they are you. So if you build a bubble around your, your relationships first, <clears throat> everything else will flow into place. Right. And for those of you who are like me that have parental issues, like Miss Jennifer said, your parents will be okay. I'm sure they will. <laughs> so please bubble yourselves and, and practice the small nose. I've Miss Jennifer, I can't even begin to explain to you, and I'm sure you know in your field how many people I've come across to just in conversation now because I, I have a little more awareness than I did, and you just brought more awareness to me. Thank you for that. Just in conversation, I can hear. Okay, so as a kid, there, your mom had a very strong hold on your, your growth and your development. Yeah. As a kid, your dad had a very strong hold on your, on your growth and development. You know, when I hear a woman say, you know, I'm the strong, um, I have to, I, I have to take care of. Right. In my head, okay, so either your mom was single, she did all the work, or you're the oldest, but your mother instilled in you, you watched her take on everything right. not say no to anybody and be the strong one so right thank you miss jennifer yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> yeah you just brought a lot of awareness to our <laughs> audience so, so miss jennifer i have a question when it comes to couples and they're in your relationships how does that if you're not if you haven't put that bubble around you and your and your partner and you you neither one of you have gone through the process of building the bridge and you're trying to but not build a bridge how does that affect everything else outside um so if you haven't done it are you saying if you have not done it yes ma'am okay so well what happened i mean oh that's such a complicated question um <laughs> so um uh, well for instance, okay, here's one example. If you and your partner haven't built a, 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 a bubble around yourself, the kids, your kids could split you, which means they pit one of you against the other. One of you says, no, you can't do that. And then they go to the other one and, and they get the other one to say yes. And then you're in, I mean, that can happen. For That's just a minor example of what can happen. Um, but basically you're not preserving, um, when the relationship isn't important enough, then also it's much more likely there'll be, for instance, affairs. I mean, uh, because the bubble, the couple bubble has to be strong and you have to be connected and feel safe. If you don't feel safe or, or attached, you may wander off. You, I mean, you all kinds, it's just all kinds of things can happen. You just wanna have a healthy relationship because a healthy relationship is the basis really of a fully functioning family and then you get into the fully functioning world i mean you want a world that functions at all we all have, we can only work on ourselves to i mean we can work on you know our area our career whatever we do in the world but also our work on ourselves helps the world um, because the more healthy people there are the healthier choices people make the less 
crazy things to get about, you know, countries fighting and people trying to put other groups down and all that, that all comes out of a lack of health. That's, you know, people deciding, well, I'm right and you're wrong, or I don't care about you, I only care about me, or, you know, all that stuff starts happening. Now, I'm not sure if I answered your question right. <laughs> Actually, no, you answered it perfectly because okay. it's a great segue into the next question that I wanted to ha ask you. Okay. Because on the to success, a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs, business owners, they're C-level execs looking to you know, either start another company or change something within their own companies or their par parallelpreneurs who are working full-time jobs and starting a new job. But one of the things that I, so my question is, I don't want to do, I don't want to do that part. I want to ask you. <laughs> okay. I am determined to be rich. The middle class is not for me. I need news that cares about me. And not news that's going to scare me or make me mad at another people. I need news without politics. And I want news that will point me to the money. This is the news where it happens. The moments that change the world. These are the stories we need. The info that we care about. We only give you news that puts money in your pocket. And the news that gives us an advantage. This is the work that continues. Who we are today. And what we can become. Tomorrow. That's it. This is where news without agendas can lead us. Your wealth matters. This is why more perspectives make us stronger. And how our mission can inspire. Tomorrow. This is journalism that helps the world we live in. This is Mexit News. What is the... If they're, if they're personal relationships, if they have not done what you said and bring awareness to themselves about what they need to work, put the bubble around themselves and, and, their, and their mates, how does that affect them in the business? How does that directly affect them in the business arena? Okay, so there's a couple things that come up for me. The first one is... Um, um, you know, if you're stressed at home, it's not going to make for, generally, if you're stressed at home, you're going to carry some of that stress with you into wherever you are. So you want to have a really happy peace. You want to have a happy, peaceful life and you want to be effective at what you do. And maybe you can be effective and have a stressed home like life. But ultimately, we want to be happy in all the spheres of our life. We want to be successful in all the spheres of our life, not just our career we, or our mission or our purpose, but also our relationships, all of it. We want to be, we want, that's how you're a full rounded person by really making every aspect of your life successful. The other thing that can happen is if you don't develop good relational skills, um, you may be, so instead of, you may be doing things at work that alienate your employees, your coworkers, your boss, your whatevers, because you have habits or ways of being that are not relational. They're either too controlling or they have, you know, they're too, they're whatever. They're not, you know, being part of a team. And you've got learning, being a part of a team in your primary relationship that you can bring into that way of being, you can bring into your, your, what you do in the world, because it is a way of being learning how to honor uh, your, both yourself and the other per person at the same time and work out the best 
um, way of moving forward instead of, you know, it's my way or the highway, for instance. That doesn't work so well. People resent that. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I've always wanted to ask a therapist that question because <laughs> we can we can tell each other, you know, you know what what happens at home, you carry it out, but to have someone actually say, yeah, no, yeah, you, and how you broke it down, thank you, because I never, I, I never thought about it that way, you know, you have certain relatable traits that you've learned that you're, you're literally putting other people off because of, like, you're offending people because of how you do something at home, you right. do it at work, um, and what, What's funny to me is how people say my, my work husband and my work wife. And early you, earlier you just say, you know, if you don't do that, if you don't, if you aren't able to relate, put that couple role around and be able to say no to others, you, it, you don't have a healthy relationship and people tend to stray. And when you said that, and I, I thought about work husbands and work wives and not having, not being able to relate at home, but you can relate at work with these people that all comes down to that couple bubble right that all comes down to that being relatable at home and if you're not relatable at home you step out of that home you're opening like you said like you said earlier you're opening yourself up to so much more mm -hmm. and i never thought about the alienating others at work because right. of how you are at home it's right like you go to work yay yay you think you had a great day at work but you don't know how you left the people at work and how they how you made them feel yeah wow exactly and, and it also depends on obviously with your more primary relationships it's emotionally more intense um because they're more important but there's still elements of behavior that drift into all the relationships um yeah yeah so yeah <laughs> so so what are some of those elements that drift what are some of those so, so let's we'll use you for example again because you're a good example right yes i am <laughs> so i'm just curious i don't want to pry too deeply you can always say no i don't want to answer that but um so you have trouble saying no to your parents how are you saying no to other people it depends on who they are right and what 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 makes that difference I don't want to disappoint, and and the di the difference is the magnitude of the relationship. I'll use my son as example. Okay. Um, my son, father, and I are divorced, so I get him. We get each other every other week. So when he's with me, he asks me certain things. I don't want to tell him no. Because I feel like if I tell him no, this is the only time I have with him. So I want him to enjoy it. Because right. I don't want to hear, mommy, I want to go be with daddy. Mommy, I want to go to daddy's house. Right. So when he asks or think, I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Or I would normally do something I wouldn't normally do, like give him a pint of ice cream. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> instead of the little right. bitty ones. Right, right. Now, but if it, his, if it comes his, down to. Does his father do that same behavior as you do with not wanting to say no? You're not sure. I honestly don't know don't know i was just curious because the poor kid might never get a no and what's that going to do to him <laughs> exactly and i've experienced and i've been, i've started experiencing that he, even um even antonio pointed out to me he's like look you know if 
if he you can't keep doing it this way because he he doesn't challenge himself like just the 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 simple task of opening a bottle of water he's like mommy can you do it and instead of me saying no I just open it and give it to him because I'm like okay well he's he's coming to me and I want him to keep coming to me so I don't want to tell him no Right, Something right. Something as so, simple as opening yeah. a bottle of water. Right, although he might be better off le- learning to experience the the trying, the effort, the frustration, and finally the success himself. Exactly. Yeah, and that's what you might be keeping him from some of those experiences, which uh, even though it's going to be hard for you to tolerate his disappointment when he, when you say no. Yeah. So that's a great example. That's a really good example. Yeah. Now you're going to tell me about the people you can say no to. Okay. So the people I can say no to are those who just like, I'm not going to say random people because that's not, uh, but just those who I'm not as close to those I don't share a bond with, you know, it's, it's easier for me to say, no, we can't do it at this time, or no, I can't do that, or no, I'm not going over there. But if it's like my parents or my son or my significant other, sometimes saying no is like, I don't want to say no, because I don't want to disappoint them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that's just an example, and how much it bleeds into the work environment just depends. But um, a lot of like, well, I'll give you another example. So like, there are you know, a Steve Jobs type. I think everybody, didn't everyone he worked with not like him? I remember uh, reading that he was, it was people, you know, he may have been brilliant and done, you know, amazing things in, in his, you know, his field, but nobody really wanted to hang out with him, you know, in the work environment. So that's someone who was, you know, uber successful and uh, maybe he didn't care whether people liked him or not. That's a whole other issue. But he wasn't part of building a work environment where people were like, you know, really, you know, heart to heart connections. That wasn't, you know, and, you know, what we're, what I'm, you know, I'm about helping people create heart to heart connections because the world needs more heart. You know, it's not just about making money and being successful, as important as that might be. It's also about doing it with heart in my personal, you know, opinion. <laughs> oh, no, I do agree. I do agree. Cause if yeah. there's no heart in it, then. Yeah. I mean, you want to be able to honor everybody you're in contact with and also know where the lines are, know where you get to say no, know when it's appropriate to say no, when, when you, when do you give uh, and be flexible? When do you hold the line? Uh, all those qualities are, are, you know, structural in us. And sometimes people have to build them. When I was young, I couldn't say no. I was not able to say no when I was a child because I was terrified. I grew up in a violent household and I was terrified of ruffling any feathers unless it was, you know, something that was incredibly important, like a, an animal was being abused or something that, or I would stand up. But um, in terms of generally, no, because I was, it was too scary. And I had to do work to build that backbone, which now I can say, no, like, you know, screw, you know, you know, <laughs> peacefully, but it was like lifting weights there for a while. I had to build some muscle. So yeah, it just depends what everybody has to look at what their strengths and weaknesses are and where, where are they strong in the family and where are they, where are they strong in their relationship and weak and does it and does it not translate and how out into their work environment. Because it's different. It is different for everyone. It's not like a one size fits all. Different people carry different things out and have different areas that they could benefit from working on. 
thank you, thank you very, thank you very much. Because uh, that boy, I, one of the things that I've learned is when it comes to like law of attraction and things of that nature, you actually, for, for entrepreneurs, we attract who we are. So our customers are just like us. So right. as I was learning that and I'm speaking to customers, I'm noticed like they're like reflections of me. So I'm seeing me on a right. different spectrum and listening to them talk. I'm like, wow, that's what I deal with. Like that, that's where my thought process is. Like, cause right. I'm now outside of the frame being able to watch. And then when you were, when you said what you said about like, you know, you carry things over, they go from home to the, to the workplace and just how everything is connecting is like, wow, that is because <laughs> like yeah. you really have to work on you. Yeah. Though it's really good. You can see outside the box now. Yeah. You know, outside the frame that you can see, Oh, there's a part of myself there. Oh, there's a part of myself. over there. <laughs> do I want that part? Do I not want that part? Yeah. <laughs> right. Actually, I do that a lot with my son when I, um, growing up parent, you, parents want you to be this way and like you said I don't I want to do something opposite of that so I started that way with my son my son was for me he was mine for me to love for me to show how wonderful of a mother I was to show that I was a great mother and this and that and that and after a while of my own personal development I actually just kind of sat back and I actually just started watching him watching his personality how he grew how he responded to things when nobody was looking right and as i was doing that i was like wow i actually saw me right and and i tell people all the time my son is is the greatest mirror that i have to show me Mm -hmm. because any attitude i had when i (laughs) when i see when he when he responds a certain way to things i'm like oh okay i need to work on that because if he's doing that that means he saw me do it how he you know how he he how he thinks his thought processes how he puts things together how he conceptualizes things it's even though he's five it's it's still the thing of yeah that's a reflection of me so it's the law of attraction with working on yourself how you treat others how they how they how what they see when they're on the other side of you the wake when you leave a room all of that is tied into your personal growth. And if you're in a, and when you're in a couple, if you don't do the couple, I love that couple of all. Thank you so much for introducing that to me. (laughs) (laughs) And if you don't learn how to relate there, it trickles into so many other areas of your life. And it's just amazing how that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, really good to make the the couple bubble. The couple has to be primary and then everything flows out from that because that's the stable point, the couple. Yeah. And then being able to relate, that is the greatest thing, being able to relate. Because if you can't relate there, you can't relate anywhere. And I love how you're helping, helping couples build that bridge because like you said, growing growing up for me was what goes on in this house, stay in this house, stay in the right. child's place. Right. And then the moment I turned 18, okay, you're too old for this. You're too old for that. I'm like, wait, I'm confused. <laughs> what is it? 
and being able to just relate there, starting with that relatable relationship, the parent-child relatable relationship right. does yeah. so much to you. Yeah. So if you can't do it in, when you get into that couple, being able to relate with others is, and I thank you for what you're doing because I've seen, I've seen relationships where they have related and I've seen relationships where they're just like, no, this is what it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's no relating here. And yeah. I thank you for what you're doing because not only are you helping relationships, but you're literally helping generations because right. the next generation, the next generation of the couples that you're helping will be so much Right. more open and right. relatable and not as damaged because yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, you yeah. said we're not perfect you're making healthy <laughs> kids which you know we need healthy kids to keep the world getting healthier you know i mean we want the world to get healthier not not more fractured so yeah and you know we've got plenty of fracturing going on out there so plenty of it yeah. <laughs> so so miss Ms. Jennifer, I have a, a question for you. You have, um, can you explain to us what the attachment theory is? Yes. So attachment theory, um, oh God, attachment theory is pretty complicated. So I'll just make it really simple. Attachment theory, we'll look at it. First of all, it, it's about how mammals feel safe. They need um, emotional and physical safety. That, in other words, you, you when you probably nursed your son, that that connection of uh, the feeling you both that's an emotional connection, and mammals need that sense of safety. And you as you're developing, as a child is developing, they may be attached in a way. They may get the. They can actually predict. They, there's a, something called the adult attachment interview. And they can predict to a 75% um, uh, place uh, from what the mother answers on that interview, what, what will happen with that child in terms of uh, the child's attachment health. So because it comes from relationship. So when the, the parent is good at both supporting the child, helping the child talk about feelings, helping the child process confusions. Uh, when the parent is there um, able to soothe the child but not smother the child, when the parenting is good enough, the child will have what's called a secure attachment. And a securely attached child will be content, they'll be engaged, they'll, they'll just be a happy kid. And they will be much more capable of having a good relationship without uh, having to do a lot of work. It'll be more, it'll be generally easier. It doesn't mean there won't be pockets where there's issues, but now when, when you have a, a parent, and this is, you can have also, you know, the father is an influence too, but the mother's influence tends to be heavier because the mothers spend more, more, more nurturing time with the child usually. But the, 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 so you may have a, in different contexts have different attachment styles come up as an adult. So if your father had a different set of qualities than your mother, you may be different in, in different contexts. However, in primary relationships, so if you are raised in such a way that whenever you're, you needed your mother, she freaked out. She was upset. She was crying. Maybe she's depressed over the death of a relative. She wasn't available. You may develop what's called more of a avoidant anxious, an anxious avoidant attachment or insecure avoidant attachment. And that is someone who doesn't, I'm sorry, 
you may, that's, let me get that. That would be the ambivalent. Sorry, the, this is where it gets complicated. The anxious, insecure, ambivalent. There's different, there's so many different people have these things named differently, but the more ambivalent attach, attachment is someone, a child who's more insecure. They always ask questions. They have a lot of anxiety because when they needed that safe, secure person, sometimes she was available, sometimes she wasn't available. It, the response, it created anxiety in the child. <clears throat> or you could have a, a what's called an avoidant uh, child, which that is someone who doesn't show their anxiety, but they have anxiety. And they would tend to say, use drugs, gamble, get a, get over, you know, addicted to the internet because they find other things to sort of take care of them because it didn't serve them to ask for attention as a child. It didn't work. And then there is a disorganized attachment, which is too complicated to even get into as far right now. But so you get these different attachment styles. And when you have a couple, you may have, and then on top of that, there's a, there's um, arousal states, but we won't open that up because it's too complicated. But when you get, when you have, you, let's suppose you have someone who tends to be anxious and clingy and someone else who hides their anxiety and tends to go off and like get on the internet and not get off the internet for days. And they're a couple. Well, you can already see the problems there's going to be. The anxious clingy one is going to feel abandoned. And the other one is going to feel like this, that, that they're never enough. This person's always wanting things that they can't provide. I mean, you or, or immediately see where the problem is going to be. And you have to start re-teaching them about what they're doing. You actually have to link, the, get them to see what happened in their history that made them form themselves this way. You know, what was your mother doing when you were two and three? Oh, you just felt that feeling in your stomach. What memory comes up? Oh, I remember being uh, four and my father yelling at my mother and yelling at us kids. And that's the feeling I get. You know, as people start getting hooked into the old, the memories and then applying them to how they are now, then they have stories to share with their partners about who they are and why they are. And they can start supporting each other in understanding each other and changing. So, which is how attachment theory fits into um, working. And then it can go deeper. We get into the neurobiology of it, but we're just going to stick with the categories for now. <laughs> wow. You're sitting, okay. So every, when I hear people add, add value like you just did, I'm sitting here, I'm like, man, that sounds like me. <laughs> oh, you heard, you heard it. You I was in one of those descriptions too, by the way. <laughs> like I'm sitting here, you're, you're, you're listing him and I'm sitting here like the anxious, insecure, ambivalent. Was that? You're ambivalent. You would, you would be me. Ambivalent. You would be, both probably, I'm guessing we would both be the ambivalent, um, more insecure attachment style. <laughs> which is and, tends to be and, more clingy, more clingy, doesn't want to disappoint, um, maybe a little bit dramatic at times, insecure. Yeah, there we are. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Yeah. Like, I, I'm so that explains <laughs> so much. It's one, one of the greatest things that Antonia's ever taught us is once you can't account for something, you can control it. And with you adding all of this value to our audience, I'm listening to you and it's bringing to my awareness, oh, like that, that, that light bulb goes off and it's like, that's what that is. Now that I know, now I know what to work on. Now I know how to 
work through that and right. work past that with it. Depression. Yeah. Yeah. I know like exactly. For, me, for example, example, when I was young and my earlier relationships, I was definitely um, uh, ambivalent, anxiously attached. Now I'm in my second marriage and it's a really good marriage and we've both done a lot of work and I don't, that's not what comes up in this, you know, that stuff has been healed. It's a, that, and so that's just to know that this is, this can all be changed. It's just what you're born with. It's, there's a whole process to recognize it and change it, but it is absolutely not, you know, a blueprint forever. It's just until you change it, this is what it is. So just right. to know that's what, that's the use of learning and growing and, doing this kind of work is that you don't have to, the sky's the limit. You don't have to stay, you can change anything. Yeah. And then you can do this work and take that principle out into your career and go, well, I did it in my relationship. Now I can do it out in my, in my, you know, what I'm doing, you know, my, my um, project or whatever you're doing, you can go, I've learned from my relationship that I can, I've learned from what I've done with myself. I can change anything. I can do anything. It's just a matter of, you know, knowing what to do, um, supporting myself, uh, not giving up, continuing to learn, holding a positive vision. It's just, you know, it's a series of things that, that you can take and apply into the outer world and into your career. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ms. Jennifer. I, I, I love how you, because oh, quite a few of our network, they are motivational speaker transformational speakers and so I really hope they're listening to this because it will definitely motivational transformational speakers are there to save lives to help others right but if they understand what you're teaching if they if they're listening to this I hope they go and do their research I even hope they reach out to you and sit down and say okay look Ms. Jennifer what do I need to do <laughs> to go through to go through your course so I can learn better, so I can better? Because like you said, nobody wants a therapist who hasn't gone through anything. Right. Yeah. No, you want someone no. a real you want a real person. Exactly. Yeah. So when it comes to if you're standing on the stage and you're motivating me or helping me transform, I wanna under I, I need to know that you've been through something. Yes, you've struggled. You've worked through it. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. You got through that. So I, I thank you because yeah. it's, it's life. Like what you're, what you're teaching, what you're, what you're telling our audience today is, Hey, look, work on you, work on your couple, learn how to relate with the person that you plan on spending the rest of your life with. So you can learn how to relate with the rest of the world and teach your children the same thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. And you also, you know, you want, you want to, um, you don't want to be a God and all the people are like little, you know, bowing at your feet. You want to be a person who other people admire and relate to. Um, other, that's that, you know, it's a much healthier, you know, adult to adult rather than, you know, God to child, you know, relationship. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually love that you just said that because when internet first came out, social media first came out, people started doing videos and putting them out there. You had to be a certain way. You had to be suited and booted, makeup from head to toe, hair, hair, everything at the perfect spot. You can't have a strand loose. And today, all we want to see is, are you a real person? Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, don't do the suited and booted. I, w- I want to see the real person. I want to see, you know, have you struggled before you tell me how to get through my struggle? You know, did, did that work for you before you tell me, it, tell, tell me how to do it? Yeah. So I love that you just said that because that's, that's our life now. Our life is a life of transparency yeah. and not a life of lights, camera, action. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's it's not just about the exterior, it's about the whole person. And Brene Brown's a great one to listen to for that. Yeah, yeah. She is awesome. Yeah. I actually got the opportunity to hear her speak, and she is amazing. Yeah, yeah. And she's yeah. straightforward. She does not sugarcoat anything, and I love it. Straightforward, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Ms. Jennifer, before we close out today, do you have any final words for our audience? Um, yeah, just, um, you know, it's all intertwined. Um, it's all intertwined, our relationships, our careers, who we are, how we develop. It's not, there's not these, it feels like these, these different boxes, but they're actually all connected and, and you want them to, you want your life to sort of be fulfilled and spread through all the different parts of yourself because we're big beings. I mean, we're these big beings. We have, you know, we, we do these big careers. We, or not, we, we have uh, families and relatives and interests and thoughts and we're big. And so we want that light. We want to carry, we want to develop our light and spread it through all the parts of ourselves um, and not just say, okay, I'm going to grind away and try to make this thing work. It's got to be bigger than that. It has to be, I'm enjoying my life. I'm making all parts of my life beautiful um, because that's what we have the capacity to do. Yeah. So that's what I would say. <laughs> um, thank you so much. Jennifer. And before we close out, can you please let our audience know how they can find you? Sure. So, um, I, you can find, we can sell it, www.weconcile.com. There's also a quiz, um, back on slash quiz, we can sell.com slash quiz. That's a relationship quality quiz you can take. Um, you can, I also have a website, jenniferleermft.com. And on that, so the We Can Sell website has my blog, we can, the We Can Sell blog to help you with your relationship, a lot of writing. And then my website has a healing tips blog for more individual issues and a personal blog with a lot of um, what I've gone through and writing about um, that in my life. Um, Yeah. So I think those are, I've got, you know, I've got Pinterest and Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and all the regular stuff. And it's all at, most of it should be, you know, at Weconcile. And um, that's how you find me. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, Ms. Jennifer, it has been a true pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Secrets of Success podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, you will find all of uh, all of Ms. Jennifer's information in the, in, in the show. So please, after you listen to this, while you're listening to this, go and click on, take a look at We Can Sell, learn how to, how to relate with your relationship, learn how to take care of you and home first and just have patience. <laughs> thank each and every thank one you. of you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Ms. Jennifer. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>
when the pandemic began, I had the biggest problem in the world, not making money. The pandemic was actually quite a blessing for me as it almost made me a billionaire. I came really close. So the pandemic was a blessing. It was hiring people. And get this, everybody. I had 48 job positions open during the pandemic. $22 an hour with paid training. And I could not find a single person for two years to fit any of those 48 job positions. Hear me well. 48 job positions. $22 an hour. Paid training. And I couldn't find someone, not one person, for those job positions. Now, is it because I hire slowly? True. But it's because I wasn't using ZipRecruiter. And that's a fact. I wasn't getting to the right people for the right position to fit my right culture. And there are so many different things that you can do this summer. As a matter of fact, you can free up as much time as you want to. But if you're not using ZipRecruiter, you're probably not going to free up that time if you're attempting to hire people. So what is ZipRecruiter? What is probably the greatest job finder that's out there? And that's why you need ZipRecruiter. You need it so you can find the right candidates. Now, it's not that ZipRecruiter helps you find jobs. It's more accurately that ZipRecruiter takes your culture, takes your job, takes what you're looking for, and immediately matches them with the perfect candidate. And if the if it's if they can't find a perfect candidate, they will skip over that person and then give you the perfect candidate for you. ZipRecruiter uses one of its most powerful tools, which is the technology itself, to match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review uh, their recommendations and easily review their recommended candidates and invite these candidates to apply for your top positions. Additionally, ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that makes it easy for you to filter out uh, review and rate candidates. Four out of five employees uh, have been used by four out of five employers on ZipRecruiter. It is a blessing. And no wonder ZipRecruiter is rated number one hiring site in the world based on G2 satisfaction ratings as of this year, January 1st. My friends, soak up everything I said. It's not an ad. This is a personal testimony of how I found the right people to sit in the right seat on the right bus. Without ZipRecruiter, it wouldn't have been possible. So how do you take advantage of what I'm talking about? Well, you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. All spelled the regular way. That's zip, Z-I-P, recruiter, R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R, ziprecruiter.com slash B-2-B.
And I promise you, you will be grateful that you did so. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. It's also in the show notes.